Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. What if I told you that there is something we can do, and this one thing would make us more like God, better witnesses to who Jesus is, and meet the greatest need of the society around us all at the same time. Now, the good news is you don't have to do this by yourself. The hard news is you can't do it by yourself. In the very beginning, God created the universe. He created lights and he scattered those throughout the universe. And he made planets to spin around them and he set the earth spinning on its axis. And he separated water from land. And he said, water, you can go this far and no further. He opened up the skies and drew water from them so that vegetation grew up on the land and there was life. And then he made creatures for those waters and for that land and for those skies. And then came the day where he made humans. This whole story is recorded on the first couple pages of scripture. So the day that he recreated, I can speak English, the day that he created humans is also recorded there. In Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them and skipping forward a moment. Verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made And he saw that it was very good. It was very good. The image had been made. And it was very good. There's a couple things I want to look at, particularly from verse 26. Two words that I want to dive a little deeper on. The word us and the word image. God said, let us... Make humanity in our image. Now that seems very strange. Wouldn't it make more sense that God would say, I will make creatures, I will make these humans in my image. Instead, he said, let us make humans in our image. So there's two things that we can do to resolve this weirdness. We could do it a couple different ways. One way is to decide that there is actually uh, a council of gods, a, a pantheon, if you will. There are, are many gods. Maybe one of them is the creator god, but there's a lot of them. And the writer of Genesis, the storyteller here, is using the word god just to represent all of the gods. So there are many gods, and they are, or one of them is, creating human beings in their image. Now, some people have gone this route. The uh, Mormon church, in particular, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, takes that route. They say, okay, 
Actually, there's, there's a bunch of them. Or the other way we can do that is to decide that there is one God who is made up of multiple persons. Okay. Now, I'll be honest, I look at those two options and the first one feels a lot more straightforward and simple to me and less schizophrenic, frankly, than, than one God as multiple persons. The problem is that if we pull back from that one verse and look at all of scripture, which by the way, is always a good idea if we're gonna build a theology, let's look at the whole thing. Uh, it is the second one that the whole of scripture teaches. What Christian theologians for centuries have been calling this doctrine of the Trinity, that there is one God made up as three persons, three distinct persons. So um, before I go any further, if your eyes are about to roll back in your head, because you're like, this is hard and I don't really get it. Um, and, and you're gonna start talking about apples and eggs and other things that people have tried to talk about that don't make any sense to me either. Hang with me, because actually what I'm gonna ask you to do this morning is at least for this next however many minutes we have together here, just accept that that's true, which I don't do lightly. Uh, I try really, really hard to never ask you to just assume something is true, but just for the sake of what we're gonna do together, I'm gonna ask you to assume this is true. Now, if you want to dive into this a little bit more, you want to learn more about it, um, I, I just, this morning, don't want to spend an entire hour going through it, but I would love to spend an hour with you talking about this and many other things. So uh, starting September 26th, it is a Tuesday night, uh, we are going to start a class we're calling Building Blocks. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take concepts like the Trinity, like who is God. Um, maybe you have heard the word sanctification before, and you're like, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and so I nod along because I know that's one of those churchy words, but I don't know what it means. We would love to talk about it, love to discuss it, dig into scripture, find out where these things come from. Over seven weeks, we're going to take uh, 13 or 14 of uh, significant Christian theology concepts, um, and we are going to dig in and talk about them, and we would love to have you join us in doing that. If you are brand new to following Christ, um, this will feel uh, a little heavy and it would be so good. So good to start here. If you've been following Jesus for decades, like I really want to dig into what the Alliance believes specifically or, or just get strengthened in some of these things that I've been nodding along. But if somebody asked me to define it, I'm not sure what I would say. We would love to uh, have you with us there as well. If you go to sign up for this class, which you can at uh, all those event tabs I was mentioning earlier, church app or the website, which um, you don't have to sign up to come, um, but it would be really handy for us uh, to know how many chairs and snacks we need. Because by the way, there'll be snacks just in case you needed something else to bring you. Now I better make sure that happens. Anyway, uh, we, I have promises. I gotta be really careful. Uh, so if you go to sign up, um, you will find uh, a couple of different ways you can sign up. Um, one is to simply sign up to attend the class. That's simple enough. Um, uh, there will also be an, an online uh, option. So hopefully we'll get an opportunity for you to sign up that way um, up there. But I'm realizing as I stand here, I didn't create that option. So just sign up to attend and we'll figure it out. Uh, the other is to sign up um, and it says attendee uh, 
interested in Christian leadership development. So you can just come to this class and it'll be really good on its own. Um, if you feel like you are in a leadership role in your home, in your community, if you'd be interested in being in a leadership role at some point in the future, if you're interested in church leadership in some way, uh, this is one part of a Christian leadership development track that we would love to have you uh, join us on. So if you sign up that way, that just lets us know you're interested in that track um, and uh, we can have further discussions about what that will look like too. So we will take, uh, for this class, um, we're going to do our best to take some complicated things like the Trinity and, um, and, and really dig into why uh, does... Why, why is there 2,000 years of Christian thought that leads us to this conclusion as we look at Scripture uh, together? So we'd love to have you sign up for that. One example with the Trinity, if you go to the very first Scripture uh, in the Bible, Genesis starts with uh, God created and with the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness. So there is two parts, God the Creator, or Jesus calls the Father, and the Spirit of God. The Gospel of John in the New Testament starts, in the beginning was the Word, and he makes very clear that by the Word there he means Jesus. There is the third member of the Trinity, Father, Spirit, and Son. So again, for this morning, we're just going to assume 2,000 years of Christian Orthodox thought is correct, that God exists as one God in three persons, and if you want to dive in more, please do sign up for Building Blocks. Now, what does any of that have to do with our human experience, how in the world would this complicated theology idea of God have anything to do with your Monday morning? Well, first, in the words of uh, the brilliant Tim Mackey, to describe God as triunity is to claim that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. To describe God as triunity is to claim and this is a significant claim, that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. This is not just a philosophical exercise of can we wrap our brains around a complicated thought. This is a claim that the world may be understood in atoms, but it is held together by a loving communal God. And that triune God created human beings to be a, quote, image of the eternal community of love. Now, what is an image? An image could be a picture, could be an icon, could be a, a reflection of something or someone, right? That's an image. Okay, we certainly are not a picture of God, because if you look around this room, we all look different from each other, and I'm sure we all look different from God. We aren't an icon some picture to put up in God's place and worship or channel worship through in that sense, which means we're left with reflection. But if we are a reflection of God, uh, we are not God's reflection. He's not using us in the same way that we might use a mirror, right? Like God is not looking at humanity, checking for spinach in his teeth. So what is a reflection of God? Theologian N.T. Wright talks about humanity as being an angled mirror, reflecting God to humanity, to one another. 
Uh, if you've ever played with or seen an angled mirror, uh, maybe when, like I know on, on one of the roads I drive all the time to see around a corner, they have one of those mirrors that helps you. So it's, it's not looking back at you, right? But it actually deflects so that you can see uh, something else. We're not reflecting God back to himself. We are that angled mirror that the source hits and gets sent off in a different direction. We are reflecting God to each other, reflecting the love of God to each other and to the world. That would be a perfect image of God, a perfect reflection of who God is to perfectly reflect his love to the people around us. Now, like everything else in our world, we are a broken reflection of God. The church is a broken reflection of God. Humanity is a shattered vision of the love of God. Churches are often known more for their sharp edges than for the quality of their loving reflections. But when Jesus commissioned the church, when he uh, sent his followers out into the world, uh, he said this, this is in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. He says, so now, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, love each other is not actually a new commandment. So why would Jesus say it that way? Well, because the first human beings were commissioned to go love and serve and take care of the world around them. And Jesus is recommissioning humanity and he's using the church to do it. He said, as you follow me in your life, I am commissioning you, sending you out, giving you the task of loving and serving and caring for each other and the world around you. We are being reestablished as the reflection of God's love to each other and the world. So as N.T. Wright also says, the Christian vocation is to recover, to recapture that image. That the job of the Jesus follower is to recover and recapture that image, the image we were created to be. So, what if I told you that there's something we can do, one thing that would make us more like God, better witnesses to Jesus, and meet the world's greatest need, or at least our society, the world around us, all at the same time? The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before, after his life and death and resurrection, before he ascended into heaven where we believe he is still alive today and we anticipate his return. The last thing he said before he ascended into heaven was its own commissioning and sending out. They asked him uh, when uh, he would fully come into his kingdom, when his kingdom would be fully realized. And by asking, trying to figure out when they could sit in seats of power. 
And Jesus essentially tells them, uh, you don't need to know, but you do need to know that power is coming and it's not going to look like what you think it is. So in uh, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 7, they've asked him, when, when is your kingdom going to be realized? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in the place where you are standing, in the place where you live, in the region where you are, to your enemies and to the rest of the world. We are sent out in the power of Holy Spirit. There's that Trinity again. Only the Father knows the time. Jesus says the Spirit will go with you. Okay. We are to be witnesses in the power of the Spirit. And witnesses absolutely means telling, using words. As we said, you will tell people about me. But how did Jesus say people would recognize our witness? How, what did he tell us in John People will recognize that you're mine, not by the words you say, but by how we love one another. What if the greatest gift the church could give the world today is a loving community? What if the greatest gift the church could give the world today, and specifically, our Jerusalem and Judea, our town and its region where God has planted us, what if the greatest gift we could give the people around us is a loving community? And if that's true, here's the great news for us. The church is uniquely positioned. The world's greatest need, our society's greatest need matches our great calling. We worship a God who is an eternally loving community and we are called by God to reflect, to be an equally loving community. Now, here's the hard news for us. That calling is a lot harder than we want it to be. Because let's be real, it is easier to show, up, to show up on a Sunday morning and say, I go to church, than it is to actually be part of that kind of community, to create this kind of community. It is a lot easier to like a sermon or a worship set than it is to like a person. It's a lot easier to say, I'm a part of East Hills than it actually is to be an interlocking puzzle piece that makes up East Hills. Because being an interlocking puzzle piece is hard. I'm not sure where I fit. I'm, I'm not sure if this is the right puzzle for me. Maybe I'm in the wrong box. If, if I do get locked in, is there an escape route? Can I get out? If, if I do interlock with somebody 
Are my cardboard edges going to fray? Am I going to get a little bent out of shape? Isn't it easier to not interlock, to keep my options open? And it's not just easier because relationships are hard, but also because it's hard to figure out how to do this. How do we actually create this kind of community when all of us have been raised with American individualism as a top priority? How, how do we engage with one another when we doubt ourselves and our own values so much? How do we interlock knowing that we will get hurt at some point? I have the privilege of getting to sit with people and talk with them uh, about becoming members. Um, and they're fantastic conversations to have. Quick side note, I know there's like six of you who've been waiting all summer to have that conversation with me, and I am so sorry. It will happen soon, I promise. Uh, if you're not one of those six people and you're interested, let me know. And I love getting to sit with people, and they say very nice things about y'all, about how they felt welcomed and loved and surrounded and cared for. And it's so good, and I enjoy it, and it's so true, and it's fantastic. And... Uh, not to be cynical, I don't think, <laughs> but just to recognize the reality, I have begun to tell people, hey, I love that you're experiencing that. That's my experience here too. It's fantastic. I would really like you to hold on to that thought. And when other people from this community hurt you, remember that we are also there for you. Remember the grace that you've experienced and extended to others. And just know that it will happen. I don't want to sugarcoat community. Like, we're human beings. And as we interlock with each other, our edges get frayed and we get bent out of shape and we say things we don't really mean. Or sometimes we say things we do mean and thought we were filtering and didn't. Or whatever it might be. And yet, Jesus has said, they will know that you're mine by the way you love each other. And I wonder if our reluctance to be community is actually a lack of trust that Jesus' prescription for us is actually good for us. Because we know that we get hurt by other people. And I will uh, single out for just a second people uh, my age-ish and, and younger. I just turned 40 this summer, so my generation on down. We have been raised in some specific ways by the world around us. And one of those ways is that we've been taught that the more you can experience something we call freedom, whatever you want to call that, the more joy, the more fulfillment you're going to get. And we all then are experiencing, and this isn't unique, this is the human condition, we all are experiencing that we get hurt by other people. And so we lean out 
And we say, well, I know that the best way to avoid getting hurt by other people is to just not let them get too close. And I wonder if for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, it causes us to doubt that Jesus' prescription for us is actually good for us. Because here's the thing, church. We don't actually have a choice. Not, if, if we are going to be a Jesus-centered, Jesus-commissioned church, we are going to have to be a loving community of people. That is the prescription, the description, the great commission of a church. We were commissioned by Jesus to love each other and to love the world. And the greatest love that the world immediately around us needs today is a great community. I want to throw a whole bunch of numbers at you. Uh, and if you are not a numbers person, just hang tight because I think this will, will explain it all in a second. But I think these numbers help us understand what we're dealing with. And if you are a numbers person like me, this is going to be so much, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be good. All right. According to Cigna Health, 79% of adults 18 to 24 report feeling regularly lonely. 79%. If you line up any group of five 18 to 24-year-olds and they're willing to be honest with you, four of those five are going to tell you they feel regularly lonely. Among all adults, 57% of men and 59% of women reported being deeply lonely. Some other numbers that are not in your notes. According to the National Library of Medicine, 52% of Americans, more than half of us, report feeling perpetually, that means continually, lonely. 47% say their relationships are not meaningful. 58% sometimes or always feel like no one, no one knows them well. 25% stated they don't have a single close confidant. One out of every four. Uh, and credit to Pastor Ian Simpkins of The Bridge in Nashville for this one. What the numbers show is, and this is in your notes, loneliness in the U.S. overall is up roughly 23 million people in the last two years. Another study revealed that loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 26%, which, in case you're curious, is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Our loneliness is literally killing us. And what is the world offering to fix it? Again, for those of us 40 and under, we have been trained that entertainment and experiences add up to a fulfilling life. If you can post it on Instagram, now you're getting somewhere. If you can make other people jealous with it by posting it on Instagram, now you're really living a fulfilling life. 
And so we double down. We feel lonely and we go, oh, what I need is I need more entertainment and I need more experiences and I need to post those things online so that I get more hearts and thumbs up and get the little dopamine hit so that I feel less lonely in this moment. The problem is it does not last. And we keep trying and it's still not working And four out of every five 18 to 24-year-olds are saying, I'm lonely and I don't know what to do because the prescription the world has given me is not working. So the world tells us, become more unique. Become more independent. Become more entertained. Become more powerful. Become more. What if instead of inviting people to become something. We could invite people to simply come and be. Come and be loved as you are. Come and be formed by Christ instead of by power. Come and be made new instead of recycled. What if instead of trying to create more entertainment, the church created more connection? More statistics. These ones about phones. Mm. When Americans were surveyed about their phones, 47% considered themselves addicted. 53% said they'd never gone 24 hours without it. And I don't, mean all of us who can remember a time before we had a phone in our pocket. I mean, since you got that phone in your pocket or your purse, have you gone 24 hours without it ever? 53% say they never have. 71% said they check it within the first 10 minutes of every day. The average American checks their phone 344 times every day and spends nearly three hours on it. Y'all, this is me. (laughs) So um, I'll do a little math for you because somebody did it for me. Uh, Three hours a day adds up to 44 days a year on our phones. (laughs) 44, 24-hour periods. Now, for those of you, balcony, who may spend more than three hours a day on your phone. Is anybody feeling called out? I am. Anyway, uh, just deflecting. Um, For those of you who spend more than three hours a day on your phone, now you're over 44 days a year. A year. From 2003 to 2019, so this is pre-COVID, and this is what I would label the social media age, right? About 2003 is when I started hearing about this thing called Facebook and MySpace and those kind of things, okay? Anybody remember MySpace? Not the balcony. Anyway, uh, 2003 to 2019, in that 16-year period, social isolation increased on average by 24 hours a month. In 16 years, we started spending a whole 24 hours more by ourselves every month. And maybe most heartbreakingly, nearly two-thirds of people 
report that they don't talk to their family or partner about how they feel. As Ian Simpkins said, we are more connected and more alone. So again, what if the greatest gift the church could give the people around us in Cowlitz County is a loving community? The New Testament is littered with this admonition and encouragement to be a loving community. Here's just one example. This is Romans chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard to receive, or sorry, work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. What if we could show the world that it is possible to genuinely love somebody you strongly disagree with? What if we could provide a community of peace in a world that just won't stop finding things to fight about? What if we could hold the messy tension of accepting somebody as they are and knowing that they need to change and grow? Because Christ is doing work on all of us. What if we could hold the powerful tension of joy and tears in the same group of people week after week? What if we weren't inviting people to come to a place, but to come on a journey with a community? What if, in loving each other and pursuing peace, and providing hospitality, we were becoming a better reflection of the image of God. What if that's exactly what the world needs from us right now? The call of Christ and the world's great need meet when the church loves well. The call of Christ and the world's great need meet when the church loves well. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to be community. And to paraphrase John F. Kennedy, we choose to love and serve and pursue peace and all the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. We're going to talk about it because it is our calling 
And we're going to become it to the best of our ability because the world needs to know that the universe is held together by an eternal, loving, communal God. Because the world needs to know that this God loves them graciously and fiercely. And they need to see that reflected in the image of God. In, in us, in how we love each other and how we love the people around us. So let's pray that God would do that work in us, okay? Let me pray for us. Father God, We know that in many ways, each of us and us as a community, we are a broken reflection of how good your love is. Would you soften our hearts and our sharp edges? Would you give us the courage to actually interlock with one another as we live our lives following you together? God, you know uh, better than anybody that that is is not my strength. (laughs) I I don't know how to do that well. I know there are dozens of people in here who know how to do it better than me. Father, would you teach us to link with each other in your name by the power of your spirit that holds us together? Father, would we be held together together by an eternal, loving, communal God. That others would know that they are so equally loved by you. We pray in the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.